Good afternoon and welcome to the Medical College of Wisconsin's Coffee Conversations with Scientists. I'm your host, Raina Andrews. And for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, let me just introduce myself, okay? I'm a mother, a children's book author, a public health advocate, and an engaged community member. And I'm your host for the 2023 Coffee with Converse, Coffee Conversations with Scientists series. Now, Coffee Conversations is brought to you by the Advancing a Healthier Wisconsin Endowment, which is a statewide nonprofit working to improve health and advance health equity in Wisconsin. And since early in 2021, we have been sharing the science behind today's most important health topics. So are you enjoying March Madness? Did you know that March is the second highest month of the year? Well, technically, it may rival first that men get vasectomies. Are you thinking, what does March Madness have to get have to do with men getting vasectomies? Well, today's special guest, Dr. Jay Sandlow, who is a urologist and professor at Prater Medical College of Wisconsin, will talk with us about the science behind vasectomies and why March Madness is prime time for men to get a vasectomy. Dr. Jay Sandlow, welcome. Irena, thanks. It's great to be here. Yes, yes. And so for all of our guests out there in the interwebs, we will be we will really be covering a great list of questions. And so if you have questions about today's topic or that you want to direct towards our special guests, please put them in our Facebook chat right below. And towards the end of our program, if I don't get to your question, we will be sure to, to ask those questions. And if not, there will be an opportunity at the very end for you to email us your questions and we will get right back to you. So let's get started, okay? So Dr. Sandlow, how did March Madness even become associated with vasectomies? You know, it, it's actually a pretty interesting story. Um, probably about um, 12 years ago, there was a urology group in Oregon that said, hey, let's, let's take something that guys wanna do, watch basketball, and let's use that to get people in the office to have vasectomies. And they advertised a March Madness special where they said, you know, come in on Thursday or Friday, you'll get a special ice pack and a coupon for pizza. And you can sit <laughs> on the couch all weekend and, and watch like a basketball. whole bundle. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it was very popular. And of course, it was an interesting thing. So the media picked it up. And then it kind of became this self-fulfilling prophecy where every year somebody would do a story on March Madness being really busy for vasectomies. And so more and more guys would say, hey, I want to get my vasectomy done over March Madness. And here we are, you know, 12 years later, I literally will have patients who will come in at the beginning of the year and say, I want that second Thursday in March and I need to be done before 1130 in the morning so that I can get home for the first tip off. Oh, wow. And I would say that if, if you just Google March madness and vasectomies, you will see all these videos from local news stations all across the country of people who either are offering March madness specials or patients who are participating on their own. Wow. I, I can just imagine some of my guy friends like, no way, not my manhood. So one of my goals in our exchange today, Dr. Sandlow, is that whatever preconceived notions that people may have of vasectomies, that they get the science and really clear understanding of what it is. So can we start off by saying, what is a vasectomy? Sure. So um, a vasectomy is actually 
the only form of um, male permanent contraception. Mm -hmm. um, and what it does is it's a blockage of the tubes that carry the sperm from the testicles out into the semen. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really affect how the testicles work, but it really just prevents the delivery of sperm so that, you know, when, when a man ejaculates, there's, there's no chance of pregnancy. So we need a visual of this. So what, what is, yeah. what does that look like? So while you're pulling that up, it makes me think of, um, I, I've heard some men say, you're, you're, you're getting rid of my, my manhood. You're, you're cutting off my stuff. <laughs> As they would say, what, 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 show us, what does this mean? All right. So, um, the, and hopefully the audience can see on the right, there is a picture of the two testicles with what looks like tubes that have been cut. That's where the vasectomy is performed. Um, so you can see that the sperm, which are made in the testicle, go through glands called the epididymis that are right on top of the testicle that becomes the vas deferens. So most men have two vas deferens, one for each testicle. And uh, what we do is we go in and we cut and cauterize a piece of the vas on each side, which causes a blockage. Um, a couple of things that I wanna point out, one is, if you look on the diagram where it says seminal fluid produced here, those are the seminal vesicles in the prostate. That's where the bulk of semen comes from. So the amount of fluid coming from the testicles is actually quite small. It's maybe 10% of your ejaculate volume. So after a vasectomy, the ejaculate itself really doesn't change. Um, I also wanted to show the picture on the left though, so that you don't think that your testicles are just floating in your scrotum after we do a vasectomy. You can see that there's a whole cord of blood vessels that we get the vas away from when we do a vasectomy. And so the testicles themselves don't change in terms of position or size. Um, they, their function is exactly the same. So they, they continue to make testosterone, they continue to make sperm, uh, it's just that the sperm can't get out. Mm -hmm. Wow. So in looking at the, this image, what it makes me think of, does, does this affect performance in any way? No. The um, two things, uh, the testosterone levels remain the same and testosterone is the main driver for our libido or our sex drive. But in terms of erections, those are controlled by nerves that are actually well away from where we're working they're really more over the prostate near the bladder. So we're not doing anything in terms of a man's ability to get an erection. Same thing with ejaculation. The nerves that control ejaculation are way inside our belly, nowhere near the scrotum. And so really the only thing that we're doing is putting a blockage into place. The testicles and the pituitary gland, which gives the testicles signals to make sperm and make testosterone, they don't even know that you've had a vasectomy. So they're just working normally. And the sperm just kind of go through the tubing system. They sit there, they die. After a couple of months, they get broken down, reabsorbed like any other dead cell in our body. And the, and the testicles just keep making more. So how effective is this? It sounds like you cut off the supply. And so that's sperm that is. 
Well, you know, in medicine, obviously nothing's ever a hundred percent, but um, vasectomies done correctly with follow-up are by far the most effective form of contraception period, better than anything on the female side, better than anything else on the male side. Um, we typically quote patients that the failure rate's about one in less than one in 2000. Um, I think it's actually even pretty much lower than that when you look at uh, patients who actually follow up and do get a semen analysis that shows that they don't have any sperm after their vasectomy. What does the recovery process look like for men who decide to get vasectomies? Yeah, so it kind of depends who I'm talking to, right? When I'm talking to the guy, I'm telling him, you know, this isn't really a big deal. Um, It's a lot of guys will brag they went back to work the same day or the next day, which is not something that I recommend. On the other hand, when I'm talking to their partner, I'm telling them this is horrendous. This is really a you milking know, is. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, I'm I'm a huge advocate for my patients. Um, but the reality is that you know we tend to do a lot of vasectomies on Thursdays and Fridays, end of the week, so that guys have the weekend to kind of chill out on the couch, put their feet up. Um, but even guys who have really strenuous jobs are back to work on Monday. Um, there's always a little achiness, you know. I. I do try to tell my patients, here's what you should expect. You know, you shouldn't have a lot of pain, but you are going to have a little bit of discomfort, some achiness, the type of thing that Tylenol and ibuprofen should really handle. Um, And and that may last for a couple of days to maybe a week or two. But really, most guys are back to like full activity within a few weeks. um, and, And really within a few months, they don't even remember that they've had a vasectomy. Okay, so they can get back to business in a matter of weeks. Got it. So with this Dr. Sandlow, it seems to be very permanent. So I'm wondering, what are the options? Is this reversible for someone who decides that, you know what, I do want a family? Yeah, so here's here's where we do a little bit of urology doublespeak. Um, so we consider vasectomy a permanent form of contraception. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I do a lot of vasectomy reversals and they're very successful. So um, we don't do anything to make it irreversible. And I actually tell patients, I've had patients come in for reversals who said, uh, I don't know, doc, my my urologist said he was going to make sure nobody could reverse this and we successfully reverse it. So you don't have to make something, quote, irreversible to make it effective. Really, with the way that we're teaching vasectomies now, they're what we call minimally invasive. So they're very small holes where we just take a piece of the vas out, we cauterize the ends to seal them up, we even bury one of the ends so that they're not right next to each other. But the fact is that because you're still making sperm, if we go back in to um, to reverse the vasectomy the success rate is actually quite high, well over 90% in terms of getting sperm back into the semen. Mm-hmm. Would you would you say, or, or could we say, does it affect the, the amount of sperm, their sperm count? Is it re- reduced? So that's a great question. It doesn't affect sperm production, mm-hmm. but you can imagine that the number of sperm that would be in the, in the semen after a reversal will be dependent on, first of all, we, we re-enact, we hook up 
both sides, but maybe only one side takes and the other one scars down. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you just have like a partial um, opening so not as many sperm can get through. So mm -hmm. we, we've actually published data to show that um, using certain techniques, you can reestablish pretty much back to baseline uh, sperm counts and you know semen parameters with a good reversal. Having said all that, I don't talk to patients about this as if this is temporary. So sure. for instance, I will have patients who will come in who maybe are single, don't have any kids, but they think they want to have kids down the road. This isn't a really good form of temporary contraception because I can't guarantee that they'll be able to have a successful reversal they certainly could freeze sperm, which they could then use. Um, or if they decide, if they change their minds, it's possible to actually get sperm out of the testicle to use within vitro fertilization. But it's not a good idea to treat this as something that's temporary that then down the road, you'll, you'll reverse. Sure, sure. So along that vein, no pun intended, um, <laughs> um, who would be a good candidate for this? Right. So, um, you know, I guess I'm of the mindset that if you're an adult, you can make your own decisions. And, and I'm, I'm not judgmental about why you want a vasectomy. So I don't have things like age cutoffs. I don't require that you have kids. Um, I feel like if you, I, I, I see a fair number of young, single, childless guys. And you know, if I feel that they understand the ramifications of this, I am happy to do their vasectomy. It's not my place to tell them what is right for them. Um, one of the arguments I make is that um, if you're over 18, you can get a tattoo and a tattoo in my mind is more permanent than a vasectomy. I can certainly successfully re uh, reverse a vasectomy, probably better and for less cost than uh, than taking, removing a tattoo. Mm -hmm. So you at least have to be eight, 18 and older to get a vasectomy. Yeah, you have to be an adult. Um, the only times that we ever do vasectomies on, um, on children less than 18 is if there are significant issues where um, the a patient who is very, very developmentally disabled, but sexually active, and now has gone through puberty, a lot of times the parents will uh, who have the power of attorney will say, look, you know, I want, I, I don't want him to get somebody pregnant. He certainly can't, you know, he doesn't even understand. And even then we'll go through, we usually go through an ethics committee consult when it comes up for something like that, because, you know, we, uh, I'm certainly not an expert where I can determine if somebody is, you know, is able to take care of children. Sure, sure. So I'm, I'm curious from like an equity perspective, like what does this actually cost and how do people typically yeah. pay for like So um, the nice thing is that most vasectomies or most insurance companies cover vasectomies. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and that includes things like um, Medicare and Medicaid. So um, we try to make it as accessible as possible. Um, we do have like 
special cash pricing for patients who don't have vasectomies, mm -hmm. or, sorry, who don't have insurance, um, <laughs> so that they can have a vasectomy. Uh, I'm going to throw a little bit of my own personal bias in here. Um, there are some states like Massachusetts where vasectomies are covered by everybody and they don't even go towards your deductible. Mm -hmm. I really think we we need to get to that. Um, it's interesting. If you look at the, the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. they were very deliberate in covering female contraception. Mm -hmm. It was not on purpose, but I believe that they just forgot about the fact that guys also need contraception. And so vasectomy was not a covered benefit under some of the um, some of the insurance products on the uh, on the exchange. Well, so, well, yeah, oh, I, I think we should go into that, like this balance of contraception. A, a lot of it is focused on the female protecting herself, taking some form of birth control or practicing abstinence or a variety of things or in the need of uh, of an abortion, whichever way that you feel about this. Yeah. Last year, we saw that the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which was, for those of you who are unfamiliar, which is the landmark piece of legislation that made access to an abortion a federal right in the United States. Now, the decision really dismantled really 50 years of legal protection and paved the way for individual states to curtail and really over override ban abortions, basically, and the state of Wisconsin is one of them. So I'm wondering, with with vasectomies being a very successful and proven means of contraception, what impact has the reversal of Roe v. Wade had on the increase in vasectomies? Um, it's been it's been incredible. It uh, looking at our own data, we looked at the number of vasectomy con vasectomy consults that were requested, not even that we saw, because I've I've been booked up for for weeks and weeks for a long time. So I can't, so I've I kind of see as many as I can see. So we went back to our schedulers and we said, okay, how many calls did you get for vasectomy consults? in you know, the three months leading up to the Dobbs decision that overturned uh, Roe v. Wade? And then how many calls did we get after? And for the first month after the decision, we had three times as many calls each week. Yeah. Three, three times? times? Yes. Okay. We kind of balanced out after a while, but if you still look at it over a longer period of time, it's probably about a 25% increase in the number of men calling to get a consult for a vasectomy. Again, we're, we're booked out so far in terms of doing the vasectomies. We can't look at our vasectomy volume because it's kind of fixed. We can only do so many, but we are seeing so many more patients and many of them say specifically the thing that sort of pushed them over the edge to come in is that Supreme Court decision, even if they were never going to consider termination, they didn't want to have an unplanned, unwanted pregnancy, particularly if something was wrong with the child. So regardless of how you feel about all the, the politics of it, it really comes down to personal choice. Mm -hmm. And I would say men should be congratulated for stepping up and saying, okay, you know, we've We've put the burden of this, of contraception on the women forever, but we're going to come up and do our part. 
So for men that are stepping up and, and saying, you know what, I've listened to you, Jay, Dr. Sanlo, I'm following you. You've answered some of my questions. What would you say are some of the long-term effects of vasectomies that people should be considering besides the fact that it's reversible, but it may impact your ability to have children? So um, I was fortunate enough to be on a, a nationwide, a national committee to come up with guidelines for vasectomies. There were six of us. And um, we published guidelines back in 2012. We um, we updated them in 2016, and now we're in the process of updating them again. We had to go through all the literature about everything from, you know, what is considered necessary for a vasectomy consult to the different types of vasectomy procedures and what should be the standard there to what's the standard for follow-up. And we even looked at things like long, short-term and long-term complications. What we found was that from a, from a long-term complication perspective, there's really no good data that a vasectomy changes anything. So they've done studies looking at testosterone levels. They've done studies looking at sexual satisfaction. They've done studies looking at um, different medical issues. So for instance, there have been a couple of times in the last 20 or so years where there have been these reports of increased incidence of prostate cancer associated with men who had vasectomies. First of all, there's no good biologic reason for that because vasectomies don't change any of the biology of our bodies. So mm -hmm. there'd be no reason that it would be related to prostate cancer. And we really think that there's a lot of methodological problems with those studies. But the bottom line is we've just done a lot of research to show that you, you aren't more likely to get prostate cancer. You aren't more likely to have cardiovascular disease. Um, there was a study that came out mid nineties that said you were more likely to get um, early onset dementia if you had a vasectomy. Yes. I said, uh, I think having kids might give you <laughs> early onset dementia, but I mean, it, it, there's no good biologic reason for any of this. And yeah. so, um, really what we, what we've really tried to get out there is that having a vasectomy, while it is a, it is a surgical procedure and it definitely has comes with its own risks, but there's no long-term health risk to it. So this makes me think what, um, what other considerations should people be thinking of when contemplating getting a vasectomy? So obviously the number one thing is, are you done having children? Mm -hmm. um, and if the answer is, I'm not sure, then a vasectomy might not be the best thing. But once you've made that decision that your family is where it wants to be or that you don't want to have any children, um, I think it's very important that you meet with someone who is very comfortable doing vasectomies, that does a lot of vasectomies. Um, the United States is interesting. Uh, about 75 to 80% of vasectomies in the United States are done by urologists. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other 20 to 25% are either family docs, um, surgeons, or there are even some OBGYNs who do vasectomies as a comprehensive contraception. Um, but in most other countries, 
actually the GPs do almost all the vasectomies and urologists only do the ones that have to be done under anesthesia, under general anesthesia. So do you not need anesthesia? Like, is there not anesthesia for these procedures? Well, there's local anesthesia. I mean, we're tough. We're not that tough. <laughs> Uh, we so I would say that probably about 90% of my vasectomies are done under local anesthesia. Um, I do offer my patients some oral Valium just to relax them a little bit if they want it. About mm -hmm. half the guys take it, half don't. Um, there are some situations though where I will say, hey, we really should either give you, you know, uh, sedation with an anesthesiologist or even put you out completely. Um, there are some men who their anatomy is such that there's just no way you can do the vasectomy with them awake. So the whole key to the minimally invasive vasectomy is that you have to be able to get the vas deferens, the tube that carries the sperm, you have to be able to get that up to the skin comfortably for the patient so that you can access it, um, mm -hmm. which is really why vasectomies have becomes so much less invasive because the way they used to be done is you did a vasectomy like every other surgery. You made an incision, you dissected down to whatever structure you wanted to operate on, you get it, do what you need to do. And then, so there's a lot more tissue damage, a lot more bruising, a lot more swelling, a lot more pain. But with, we call it the no scalpel vasectomy, but minimally invasive just means no incisions, just very small holes, that is dependent on getting the, the vas up to the skin. So there are some men who cannot tolerate that, that just everyone's different. Yeah. There are some men whose anatomy won't allow it. And honestly, there's some men where you're not even sure, do they have a vas deferens? Do they not have a vas deferens? Um, and you might want to have them you know, out so that you can really kind of get a, a much better look. Mm -hmm. Dr. Sandler, what I'm taking away is that a vasectomy is seemingly one of the most effective contraceptions. And for men tuning in or their significant others tuning in, they're like, yeah, but I'm not letting you do any kind of minimally, even if it's minimally yeah. invasive. So what are some other effective, effective contraceptions for people to consider? Specifically, well, specifically men, we got basically three options. We have vasectomy, which is permanent. We've got condoms and we've got withdrawal. <laughs> and the failure rate for withdrawal is extremely high. Mm -hmm. um, so really we're in the process of trying to develop new male contraceptives. Um, they've been working on it for years and years, certainly one that's testosterone based that would shut down sperm production, but keep your testosterone levels up. The problem there is there's still a pretty high failure rate. There's a really high rate of dropout because of complications from the, uh, from the hormones. Um, people are going to new uh, techniques to inject things into the vas deferens that would form a plug so that you wouldn't have to actually cut the vas deferens and then maybe even potentially dissolve the plug down the road to make it reversible. Those are right now in animal trials and some early clinical trials. Um, that's something we're actually involved in, um, but isn't going to be ready for, you know, prime time anytime soon. Um, but I think the, the 
the takeaway, at least from my perspective, is there's a lot of interest in increasing the um, the options for men to participate in contraception. Okay, so pull out, wrap it up, abstinence. There you go. <laughs> Got it. So with the, the the last bit of time that we have here, I want to ask you this. Sure. So what are the top maybe three myths about vasectomies have you heard and yeah. how can we address those here today? Um, number one is get neutered. Um, most, <laughs> a lot of guys kind of equate getting snipped with getting things cut off. Um, but as I mentioned, nothing changes. So your testosterone levels are the same. As a matter of fact, there's some studies that actually show sexual satisfaction for both partners is increased after a vasectomy hmm. because you don't, have to, mind, worry, you don't have to worry yeah. about your contraception failing. I mean, mm -hmm. I see a lot of patients who have an unplanned child because their wife was on the pill and they got pregnant anyway. Mm -hmm. Their wife had an IUD and they got pregnant anyway. Their wife had their tubes tied and they got pregnant anyway. Oh, Those wow. are all very well established, very um, you know, good methods of contraception. They're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And vasectomies aren't perfect either. I will say that probably one of the big misconceptions is um, you hear about guys who have had vasectomies or sorry, have had children after their vasectomy and therefore the vasectomy failed. The majority of those guys never went back to get checked and therefore they never were sterile. Oh, so that's a that, critical point. Follow, yeah. your, follow your treatment plan. You yeah, absolutely have to, because there is a small chance early on of the two ends healing back together. You'll never know it because nothing changes. So it's not like you'll be like, oh, my vasectomy must have failed because everything feels different again. So you have to go back. But once you've been declared sterile, the likelihood that you're going to get somebody pregnant is extremely low. So um, the top three is get neutered. Second <laughs> one. Yeah. And then I, and then we talked about the reversibility. Yeah. So, uh, there's a lot of people that have heard that once you've had a vasectomy, it's irreversible. And that's not true. We just don't like to advertise it as reversible because basically 94, 95% of guys never will have it reversed. So we want men to go into this thinking, this is it. Got it. And I think you've, you've also hit on a myth pretty well about men thinking that I'm not going to get this done because I don't want this to affect my, my performance. It my does ability. not at all. As I said, in, in a small percentage of patients, it actually makes performance better because they don't have in the back of their mind, wow, I, I don't want to get have another kid. Yeah. Well, Dr. Sanlo, you are truly an expert in this field. We thank you so much for being here. And seeing that March Madness, you probably have a line out of your door that you need to get back to. And so with that, I want to thank you, Dr. Sanlo, for joining us today. We truly appreciate you taking the time to talk with us on the importance of this topic. So thank you. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Yes. And for you out there in the interwebs that did not get a chance to ask your question or get your question answered, we encourage you to feel free to send us a note at 
conversations at mcw.edu. So I hope you all enjoyed this show and we look forward to seeing you next time for Coffee Conversations with Scientists. Have a good one. Bye-bye. The Medical College of Wisconsin's Coffee Conversations with Scientists is sponsored by the Advancing a Healthier Wisconsin Endowment. Coffee Conversations with Scientists occur monthly as Facebook Live events and are produced by the Medical College of Wisconsin. We hope you join us next month for another virtual coffee break and a conversation with a scientist.